0: This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. of podcast listeners it appears we're seeing a light at the end of this cultural tunnel we've been in and I don't know about you but I'm beginning to hear some live music and gosh it just feels like the sun has come out after a really long winter people are getting vaccinated festivals are announcing lineups our favorite artists are beaming at us through our phones with anticipation and play and the amount of music that's approaching this year is just gonna overtake us like a wave it seems which brings up some questions. Have you adopted music you may not have listened to prior to 2020, or did you stay in the comfortable waters of what you know? How has music made you think or feel or act in the last year? And how do you describe your tastes now? It's happened to all of us. We're chatting with another person, getting to know them, and then the inevitable question, what kind of music do you like, comes up. At which point, many of us are better off reading a thesaurus out loud than trying to describe it. It ends up turning into our best impression of that scene in High Fidelity, where Dick is describing Lisa Bonet's character. She's kind of Cheryl Crow-ish, crossed with post-partridge, family, pre-L.A. law, Susan Day kind of thing. As a non-artist, it's one thing, but applying that pressure to a musician to describe their work, it's a lot to ask. But that's our job here at Americana Podcast, and today's guest more than rose to the challenge. Cam Franklin is a Houston native and frontwoman for the seven-piece band known as the Suffers. Forming in 2011, the Suffers sport an impressive ensemble that lovingly refers to their work as Gulf Coast Soul, a term that actually perfectly describes a sound which can be found within their two-record discography. The Suffers create an expansive, lush air with their music, an array of colorful horn pieces, worldly drum rhythms, and Cam's knockout voice. And talking with Cam about her work is enlightening. She is unafraid to describe the root of her abilities, her all-inclusive influences, and most importantly, the pursuit of trying to improve at any given opportunity. So join us today as our host, Robert Earl Keane discusses with Cam Franklin the importance of education, band communication, and the music we have to look forward to from Cam as well as the Suffers in the coming years. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, The 51st State. Can't you see,
1: see. how are? To me. You could show
2: Howdy everybody, this is Robert O'Keefe, and you're listening to Americana Podcast. Today's guest, the incredible Cam Franklin from Houston, Texas. She is the lead singer for the band The Suffers, and we're so happy to have her. How are you doing today, Cam?
3: I am so happy and so blessed to be here. (laughs) I got a smile on my face because the sun's back.
2: Yeah, no kidding. It's been kind of dank for a few days, hasn't it?
3: Yes. And I I don't know how y'all fared during the winter storms. I hope I hope not too bad, but we're mm-hmm. definitely still having to clean up a lot of uh, damage over here. And thankfully, it's not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago, but it has just it's become like my weekly workout regimen <laughs> that I didn't ask for. But it's been nice to do it with this, you know, temporary perfect weather we get in Houston.
1: Mm hmm.
2: So uh, let me start with this, Cam. Uh, it's been almost exactly a year since the pandemic uh, really took took a hold of all of our lives and our minds and our thoughts and whatever we were doing. And um, I was wondering, you know, how you've been and, and what you've been doing this year uh, of the pandemic.
3: Well, uh, <laughs> if I didn't know how to yeehaw before 2020, I definitely know how to do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I took the year as a gift, honestly, like it was filled with so much pain and uh, horror. I lost quite a few family members to COVID, unfortunately, and um, really just f- focused on secluding myself and uh, working on this upcoming Suffers record remotely. And mm-hmm. uh, I learned how to do a lot of things last year, including how to record myself better from home i uh tapped back into guitar i uh started you know just creating a better relationship with the elders in my family and uh <laughs> really trying to appreciate everything that that life had to offer me because you know when you spend so much time on the road you're just go 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 and i hadn't been home this long and i i honestly don't know how long and I know that this is temporary and I know that, um, you know, eventually I will be back on the road, you know, full time. And so I've just been really trying to do the most, uh, with this time off. And so I, I just wrapped up, uh, the third Suffers album. That's off to mixing now. I'm super excited about that. Um, I've started work on my very first, uh, country and Americana solo album. Uh, oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which has been really, really fun. Um, having grown up in Texas and um, had so many, having so many amazing songwriters like yourself and Hayes, and uh, just <laughs> Barbara Lynn to look up to, um, it, it's really finally given me a opportunity to kind of just go on my my own little path there. And uh, I also finished up a funk. And gospel social justice album with about thirty six voices that I recorded in quarantine, and so it's it's been a year of well, <laughs> if you if you didn't know what you could do before this, you definitely know now, and that's anything I put my mind to. So I, I'm I'm feeling very empowered right now.
2: So, so what you're saying is you you made the most of uh, this this downtime and this <laughs> miasma, that, right? Yeah, I, like I it.
3: never had it before. I never knew mm-hmm. what downtime was before, right. uh, you know, the world got <laughs> tripped on its side. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I've been enjoying it while I can.
2: As far as finishing up the Suffer's album, was it started before, uh, the, uh this time the, before the pandemic and then, uh, you know, took a, took a hiatus?
3: So we never, we never paused. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of people might not know this about me, uh, but, or about the Suffers, but we first started the band. This year will be 10 years of us doing this. But, uh, when we first started, this was just supposed to be a fun little thing, side project. Uh, Mm -hmm. but then we got a call to do the late show with David Letterman before he went off the air. And so we had to scrounge up the little coins that we had to make an album so that, you know, we could have something to promote and chase this dream for real. Um, but we've been learning everything the hard way ever since. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, because of that, and because we had chosen the the independent path uh, we were able to survive through tours and sinks or whatever, but what we could not survive is doing nothing. And mm-hmm. so like, we just couldn't afford to do it. And so, um, I made this very <laughs> this this very uh, elaborate plan to record everything remotely. Uh, since we knew that touring was canceled for the rest of the year, um, I proposed okay, we can do this part and this part and then we'll get mm-hmm. tested and then once it comes back negative, uh, I'll move to the next section of the band move to the next section of the band. We had already we had already recorded about eight songs out of about, 15 before uh before the pandemic started and we finished the other seven in quarantine um and those skills where I learned how to do my own (laughs) recording of my background vocals and all of that it eventually uh paid off because my background background is in gospel and in uh chamber music so i just made my own choir and spent a lot of time doing that um but it it took forever it was very frustrating i would not recommend anyone doing it ever uh but we got it done and uh it's currently being mixed by adrian adrian casada from black pumas and i'm very proud of it and i'm super excited for the world to hear it
1: Not every song And now when I said that You weren't my first love it's just when it came to other guys They all just seemed like the worst love. Stay With me mm.
2: Great, so cam uh, just for our listeners Tell us just a little bit about the the Suffers and you know how many people are in the band and exactly how how it's set up as as a band when you when you are in like full blown you know let's play a show mode.
3: Yes, definitely. So, mm-hmm. um, the everyday band count for the Suffers is seven members. Mm-hmm. It is myself um, and uh, Juliet Terrell on bass. We have Michael Razzo on trombone, John Durbin on trumpet. Nick Zamora on drums and Jose Chapi Luna on percussion and Kevin Bernier on guitar. And uh, we've had that, uh, that lineup for about two years, but prior to that, prior to that, everyone except for Juliet has been in the band, the entire duration of, of uh, 10 years. And so mm-hmm. we have been traveling the old school way, 15 passenger van and a trailer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all around the world, small club, big club theater, opening slots, headlining slots. Uh, but but the interesting thing about our band, because we float a lot of genres, um, you'll sometimes see us at a country festival or Americana festival. You'll sometimes see us at Afropunk or at Newport Folk Festival or a jazz mm. festival up in Canada. And um, I feel so lucky to be able to see so many different perspectives of uh, music and and the world. But um, yes, we... we call our genre of music gulf coast soul but it is honestly the embodiment of like 10 genres uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) mixed up together uh basically i told someone one time i was like my my ideal situation would be for folks to eventually compare me uh as a black female version of willie nelson and snoop (laughs) dog and i was like i'm not exactly sure how i can get there but please know that i am working on it and can <laughs> to make it my own brand. But, um, you know, we have a lot of fun and we write a lot of songs about love and heartbreak and just real working class stuff. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of people that support us because, you know, we have done it that that hard way. Uh, <laughs> that you don't really hear about much anymore. But, you know, I'm so grateful to those fans and the, the people that have supported us over the years because it's just allowed us to keep going and keep evolving. Um, and it's allowed us to also start advising a lot of these younger artists that are, you know, try to trying to follow that same independent path by encouraging them and letting them know, hey, it's going to be hard as hell. No matter how hard anybody tells you it's going to be, it's going to be probably like five times harder than that. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then add some weights to it. Uh, but <laughs> if you can get through and just stick with it, there's going to be light and more light and more light and more light. And, you know, we every year that we do this, we see more and more light.
1: If you're really anything like me, you and not do it like relaxing. And taking time to yourself is like a chore. But I'm learning out of change. I'm running pieces. Right. right, right.
2: Right. So when we're uh, you know, since we are Americana podcasts, a lot of the lot of the world of Americana has to do with creating your own songs. Uh, Not that that doesn't happen in other genres, but it seems to be pretty strong or or a a core. issue there as far as, as far as uh, the americana world so uh what you're telling me is uh the songwriting is a collaborative effort
3: yes it has been a collaborative effort within our band since day one uh when it comes to the lyrics though um i actually want to say that for mm, i'd say the first eight years of the band mm-hmm. uh, i wrote about 95 percent of the lyrics and okay. it wasn't because oh only I'm the writer or anything like that, um, right. <laughs> it's just really hard uh, to to find your, your pack when you first start co-writing and uh, figuring out the type of writer that you are. And I also had to go through my own uh, training and mm-hmm. education of getting better so that I could learn the type of writing that I wanted to do and what I was best able uh, to put out there. And honestly, with this most recent record, I feel like I'm writing the realist uh, material that I ever have. But it's also the most collaborative project that we've ever done, right? Um, and and I'm really grateful for that. I also, <laughs> um, you know, I I also got to work with my dream collaborator, collaborator, excuse mm-hmm. me, on this last album. Uh, and I know that that it'll come out more when we start promoting it, but um, I became friends with Diane Warren uh, over the pandemic uh, due to a once-in-a-lifetime collaboration, and she ended up becoming a co-writer on with me on this next Suffer's album, and, um, you know, once I did that song with her, I was like, I guess I'm a good writer now, and she... <laughs> She was like, uh, Yes, ma'am. Don't let anyone ever, you know, mm-hmm. make you question that. But, you know, you and I uh, met at the the Troubadour Awards, I believe, in right. at Americana Fest right. um, at the one they did for John Prine. Right, right. But um, that was actually the first time in my career as a songwriter that evening that I realized, oh, I'm supposed to be here.
1: Because I'm a- <laughs>
2: Uh, so your childhood mem- memories uh it, you know pointed towards h- how you were introduced to music
3: I was introduced to music uh, well first my my father sang uh, in the church and my grandmother also sang in the church but I got my first start also in the church at the age of five I had a wow. uh, a choir director who I'm so grateful to her, uh, Sister Loretta Robinson, may she rest in peace, um, yeah. was the first person <laughs> to give me uh, an opportunity to really work my voice. I, I sang at a Easter program that the church had put on and the pastor was going by and giving all the kids the mic. And when he gave me the mic, I wouldn't give him the microphone back. And <laughs> um, Sister Robinson was like, Miss Franklin, your your daughter needs to be in the adult choir. And she's like, she's only five. I understand she needs to be in the adult choir. And so from the age of five, I started, I was the tiniest person in the choir. Um, And then occasionally I would come and sing with the kids. I would like lead songs or whatever, but I always felt left out because I was always with the, with the grownups and Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea that they were training me.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) No idea
3: at all, you know, and I'd be in these, these, harmony groups and these she'd move me to tenor she'd move me to soprano she'd move me to alto she'd make sure I knew all the parts so in case somebody didn't show up I could fill it in and Uh by the time I actually got into a real choir um in school which was like the first time I think I did that was probably middle school you know I was always the lead always Uh the lead until I got to high school um I went to a high school down in League City after my my parents got divorced called Mm. uh, Clear Creek High School. And at that time, Clear Creek was the best in Texas for uh, choral music and all state singers. And what I had learned on my first day of 10th grade at Clear Creek was that while I might have thought of myself at the time as, you know, one of the hottest singers, my sight reading skills were trash and my music reading skills, theory, we were, were all trash because I had been sight reading that entire time and learning by ear that entire time. Right. And, you know, almost got to go back to this remedial place as a musician. And, uh, it definitely hurt my confidence a little bit when I was first getting started. However, I'm very grateful for those years because I needed to learn. And I also having that experience, having that exposure to classical music and chamber singing and, um, Brahms and Beethoven and everything you know I I have such a different appreciation for music now and I'm and I'm so grateful to everyone really all of my teachers uh, that taught me and you know I know I disappointed all of them early on when I said I wasn't gonna, you know, go on to college or go into opera or anything like that. And that I wanted to be a rock and roll singer. Yeah. When I first graduated high school, I had it in my mind. I was like, I'm going to be a professional singer. I'm going to be the best of the best. And I would sit in with any artist that would let me sit in with them for for free. Like, Oh, you need background vocals. I got you. You need, Mm -hmm. you need somebody to sing ad libs on this. I got you. Oh, you're a rapper. You you need a hook. I got you. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: that began um, my relationship with, really live, performing on, uh, live stages and, uh, the career that I'm in now.
2: You came along, uh, there was no real flashpoint about, you know, the music is going to be my life. It just came through learning and teaching. I, it's it, one, one thing i like to say is it's really nice to hear somebody talk about how great teachers are, because I think they're, they're, uh, underplayed a lot of times in people's lives oh know, I my think. gosh that's, that's I, I
3: drive people nuts on the road because I'll go into a whole spiel about teachers for like five to ten minutes sometimes <laughs> yeah. but honestly I am the product of public education I am mm. even though I didn't always get along with my instructors mm. if they weren't there if those art programs weren't intact you know mm. I would not be where I am right now I never went to a private school I had six pub I had six private vocal lessons my junior year of high school because I huh. thought I needed them. And my vocal teacher was like, yes, you need to practice these techniques, but this is not the type of vocal technique you need to be focusing on right now. Like She yeah. she knew I didn't want to go into opera. Right. <laughs> She's she like, if you want to do something else, you need to focus on whatever it is that you want to do. But a lot of our, our not just our, our young artists, but a lot of our young humans that are being brought up aren't taught hey chase your dreams work Mm -hmm. hard for your dreams because they can actually come true Um, a lot of folks are taught by people that have had their own confidence broken and so instead of encouraging dreams a lot of times they're discouraged but you know it is my hope that every time I step out into a stage there is a young woman a young person of color a young whoever that just sees me and they're like yes I can do that
2: So it went from school into the formation of the sufferers, is that right?
3: Uh, it's kind of. But also no. So the sufferers actually came okay. the suffers actually came about um, six years after I graduated high school. However, I met the majority of the band. When the suffers first started, we were actually a 10 person band. I was the only woman uh, and they were <laughs> with nine guys. Right. Um, and when we first started, we were all in different bands. and so I actually met them through my ska reggae and rock steady <laughs> groups that I've And I what was sing, the name stand. of that
2: what was what were the names of those those bands
3: so and this is actually kind of kind of wild to think about my very first ska band punk band was a band called the blue lights that was my high school band after uh-huh. that i was in a band called heptic skeptic uh which probably wasn't our best name but we had no. a good time and it was also my <laughs> smallest my smallest band ever which was four people um, and then after that, uh, I left doing bands for a little bit to do do my own solo thing. Um, but how I met everybody else was through sitting in with this group called The Pocket. And The Pocket was a 13-person band that was between Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. It was a collective of rocksteady, reggae musicians, um, and yeah, we'd all get together and, you know, do about like two hours of covers and songs we loved. And that was it. But the Houston Collective of The Pocket uh, eventually became The Suffers and uh, Krungbin, And the Austin Collective became this band called The Bandulus which is now based in Portland, Oregon. And so mm. it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, we all went from ska and now we're doing soul and marks over with his group doing psych rock and you know it, it, I feel like everything's kind of just connected musically if you can <laughs> learn one you can learn them all and learn them all well
2: so are you just obviously like l- large groups of people p- playing how do you manage all the personalities and uh, you know the you know there's a lot of personalities in those kind of bands and uh,
1: uh, I'm well, just
2: curious about how you would <laughs> handle the, that. <laughs>
3: They say uh, your life prepares you for the job you're supposed to have later on sometimes. Uh And so uh, there is a period of time where I wasn't regularly performing because I had gone through a little bout of depression and thought like, oh, this isn't going to happen for me because I'd had that pumped into my brain. And so I was working a side gig that eventually became a full-time gig at this uh, investment bank. And... While I was working there, they started training me to eventually become a power trader. <laughs> and uh, I was really good at it and started learning and learning and learning and learning. But a big part of that job uh, was project management and managing teams and mm-hmm. uh, catering whew, to about 24 traders a day and right. you know addressing issues, addre- addressing mistakes before the market closed that day. So you know, going from 24, I could go to 10, right? Um, it's probably the, also the reason I I had a little bit of a reputation for being mean when I first mm-hmm. joined the music industry, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, I came from Wall Street to the mm-hmm. music industry. I thought y'all were the jerks, you know? <laughs> so right. I was like, okay, let me turn it down a little bit. I can soften up now. Okay, great. Um, but when I finally got into the sufferers and was able to kind of drive the ship a little bit more as a band leader and not right. just as, you know, a girl in the band, like, Hey guys, I'm good at managing teams. I'm good at creative management. I'm good at pro- project management, but that doesn't mean I'm good at band management. Right. I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, so once we got a team that understood where we were trying to go as a unit and as a vision the band was able to like really have some come to Jesus moments, especially over the pandemic about like, where are our strengths? Where, you know, what, what can we do better? Um, you know, what, what are things that we don't want to return to when this is over? And, you know, a big thing was disorganization and, you know, over, over uh, loaded schedules. And mm-hmm. before I worked as the trade analyst, I had worked for years as an executive assistant. Oh, I know how to plan oh, I know how to do this. Oh, I know how to do that. You know, like once I realized this was an achievable dream, oh my gosh, of course I'm going to chase it. Mm. I had already gotten that speech about how hard it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not sell anything. That doesn't mean I'm going to sell nothing. If you find your path within this industry, which is the goal for all of us, you know, and find those people that appreciate and love what you do, you'll always be able to have a job here. It's just, you know, working smarter and not so dang hard and you know, after 10 years, it's like a marriage. So, you know, we could be miserable going into year 11 or we could be like those healthy couples that like, yeah, we fight, but like when we have fun, we have fun. <laughs> you know? The big word that I want to reiterate for us and for any, you know, young artists or band that might be listening, communication, 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 communication. Because if you go into any situation, be it with four band members, 10 band members, a thousand, whatever, and everybody doesn't know what's going on, there's going to be some chaos that erupts. But if everybody's functioning on the same page or you have a leader and everybody knows, that person's the leader. Maybe not the band leader, but today they're the leader of this project. I'm not out here trying to uh, make my band feel like it's me and them. like We started in this together. One of the earliest pieces of advice we also got came from Uh, Lionel Richie, who was like, don't y'all ever break up because they're going to try to break y'all up. And he was right Right. every year. Mm -hmm. But he also taught me and uh, Jim James taught me the same thing from uh, My Morning Jacket. You can have a solo career and your band. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like You could have a solo career and your band. And I realized, oh, my God, I can. But if I want to keep them, I gotta act like it. And so that's checking on him. That's talking to him. That if you don't like this new music, let's talk about it. If it if it doesn't feel good to you, let's cut it, you know.
1: I want your arms around me. I want you to hold me tight. I wanna be the one you fall asleep thinking of at not- night.
0: We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with Cam Franklin shortly. An Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and explore Americana music from past to present, from sea to shining sea. With help from our Woody Guthrie of research, Will Vote, this is Will's Pick. Not Dead Yet by Lord Huron from the album Long Lost. Lord Huron is an indie folk band based in California with a sound that fits squarely in the genre of Americana music. The band is fronted by Ben Schneider from Lansing, Michigan. Schneider went to University of Michigan where he studied visual arts. After a stint in New York working for an artist, he landed in Los Angeles and decided to try his hand at music. In 2010, Ben created Lord Huron, which was originally conceived as a solo project. After the success of the first full-length album, 2012's Lonesome Dreams, Schneider formed a band so he could take the music on the road. Lord Huron sported an immediate positive reception of the festival circuit that era. An album called Strange Trails released in 2015 and included a monster hit for the band, The Night We Met, which was featured on the television series 13 Reasons Why and went platinum and led to a new record deal. It has become Lord Huron's most recognizable songs and in many ways defines their sound. Their music is a dense mashup of folk, rock and roll, and some newer influences that combine a dreamy, layered sound. Schneider's lyrics are often complicated, cinematic, and feature tales of the Old West and themes of nature and the beauty of the world we live in. Lord Huron's most recent release is long lost. Most of the songs on the album continue with the sounds and themes of their previous work. There is one exception, and that is not dead yet. Propelled along by a stouter beat than usual, Schneider sings a song that addresses the mood of a country coming out of a pandemic. It is very catchy and oh so timely, thus, making it Will's Pick.
2: I want to talk about what you're talking about. Um, the solo project that you, you're working on now. How is how, yes. wh- that going? And <laughs> that was born out of the pandemic? Is, that, well, is well, it
3: well? Well, it wasn't born out of the pandemic. It's definitely mm-hmm. been something I've been wanting to do my entire life. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I've, I've talked about probably half of my thousand jobs I had on the way here. Uh, well, one of my other lives was working as a waitress out in Baytown, Uh, in the early 2000s. And I would say that that's where I got my earliest chop singing country music in public. And it right. wasn't like a lot of the country that's very
2: popular right now. You were now. the singing waitress, really? Is oh, that right?
3: I got, I got, I made more money singing than I did waitressing. Probably the worst waitress <laughs> ever in in Baytown. I worked at Shady O'Grady's on on Alexander Road, and it nice. was it was it was such a a, a stinky little dive bar. It doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore, but it was it was great. And on the weekends, uh, they'd have karaoke, and sometimes they'd have live bands. And mm-hmm. my regulars were always like. I'll give you $100 if you go seeing Patty Loveless again and I'm like okay you know (laughs) so it, it, it was just like such a funny a funny time but mm-hmm. you know your life prepares you for those kind of things I had an aunt growing up that would watch me that had a very unhealthy George Strait uh, obsession and would watch pure country like all the time like it was just <laughs> like it was just you know a thing we did and it would be that and uh the Jackson 5 American Dream like back to back and I don't understand why those two in particular but wow. um Again, it's, it's something that I've been wanting to work on for a long time. So with that particular project, I am uh, collecting demos. I've been, you know, just talking to a lot of writers that have been wanting to either write for a voice like mine within that genre uh, right. or work with me. And, you know, I, I have no timetable on it because my focus is The Suffers. But, right. you know, we're not going to tour this album that, that comes out next year forever. And so I'm the type of person that, all right, once this project is done, Let's take a little vacation and then let's go tour this next album. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really fun to kind of just do this uh, this other genre and that I that I love and haven't been able to immerse myself in as much. And I feel like there are so many stories within that Americana sphere uh, that have not been explored yet, mm. uh, especially within the Black community, that I've been really wanting to dive into as well. So, um, format-wise,
2: as- these are kind of country-like songs. Is that what you're talking about, uh, American I, I songs? Think
3: that I would say format-wise, these are definitely mm. going to be structured very much so. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some traditional country and western, because uh, right. I, that's just something that I I love. Uh, and then some that are probably more mirrored, like Texas Country, because Mm -hmm. uh, Hayes Carl is one of my favorite writers ever, and I that whatever yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and then the others are just going to be fun and and approaches of things that I, i've always wanted to do like i've always wanted to cover neil young and Joni Joni mitchell and just mm-hmm. like have some real fun with it even though people wouldn't consider them country i feel like the way that i would be delivering it it would be that way,
2: no, the um, way i think it's like a, uh, the production was what you do with the suffers which is just and beautiful and lush uh there's you know there's a sp- sparseness that's going on in country music is it, do you like that sort of division there or the difference uh,
3: i i feel like um the production that i do with the suffers is probably mm. exactly how i would approach uh this country record not necessarily with the uh-huh. same players Um, but, but in my opinion, if it's going to be my kind of record, I want to be able to show range, be that with sparseness or, you know, by having a 10 person ensemble and having a fiddle player, having that pedal steel player, having that percussionist, because in my opinion, like, uh, you know, like Zydeco is a sector, uh, that's almost its own extension of country that gets ignored a lot, but there's so many sounds, especially, Uh, when you're talking like Louisiana, uh, Cajun kind of stuff, like I want to be able to be almost this like mesh between traditional country, Western uh, Mm -hmm. and Cajun music and jazz, but also like do not do, excuse me, also incorporate a lot of things that I do love about modern music. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I I don't, I don't see uh, anything wrong with a lot of, uh, the stuff that the people in modern country are doing, however, when it comes to the approach of the songwriting and the arrangement and the production, uh, right. I prefer being able to hear uh, everything. I, bre- right. I prefer being able to, you know, tape everybody at one time and having it almost sound like a, a party on the record. It um, sounds like only- you
2: really like the production part. Of, are you are you very involved in production when you make records?
3: Robert Earl Keane, I am the executive producer on this next Supper's album.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you know as well as I do that executive (laughs) producer is is a pretty broad term, right? It is a
3: it's a very broad term, and I'm when I say
2: executive producer, I I I think I think whose brother or sister is this? You know
1: that that kind of thing. (laughs) Who paid for this? Yeah, right, 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 right. Oh, no, so, I, and I completely no, understand
3: that. when yeah, I But yeah. when I say executive producer, I mean that mm-hmm. I looked at every – I did the work, you know, yeah. staying up late, waking up right. early, checking on the mixes, doing right. the notes, making sure everybody's happy, checking in with management. And mm-hmm. for me, like, that experience is something that is so pivotal. And I, I am so inspired by those artists that took that care – uh from from beginning to end the isaac Hayes's, the the rick James's, um shoot even the dolly parton dolly parton is probably (laughs) one of my favorite artists of all time if not my favorite but um as a producer yes i am hands on a lot of these Mm -hmm. demos uh our songs that you know started off as my acapellas that eventually became you know me writing the demo submitting it to the band or uh but for this record you know i'm i was the person reaching out to the songwriters if i didn't have access to them you know reaching out to my management to try and you know make those connections happen
2: uh, and when does this record come out exactly either
3: it'll either be at the end of this year or early 2022
1: Daddy. be by have to be so hard. No, have to be so hard
2: okay okay and uh the, the 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 original two are the let me get this straight make, make it clear so uh, the first one was just called the suffers it's self-titled right and it's 2016 yes. is that right yes 2000- that was that then- was our self-title and then everything here was 2018. Yes. Right. Uh, and they both really lovely records. I just thank you. Know, you. Uh, you know, turn them on and let them play to me. You know that kind of record. I love that kind of record. And uh, thank you so, so much. So the same the same dynamic occurred. Uh, now that I'm speaking to Cam, the music dynamo. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, of Gulf Coast Soul, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that, that was the same. You were involved as well with those, as much the same way.
3: Yes. So on the first album, everybody took equal credit as a producer. And mm-hmm. that was as collaborative as it gets, you know, people mm-hmm. bringing in different songs, songs they've been sitting on, uh, right. whatever. The second album had two executive producers. Uh, Zeke Lissenby, who is an incredible songwriter and organist, uh, and uh, John Allen Stevens, who is an incredible producer, songwriter, singer, whatever. But the reason that we worked with them is because they were two completely different sounds. Zeke having more heavy focus in gospel, soul and mm-hmm. R&B, and John Allen Stevens with rock and pop. Um, because we knew all we done in, all
2: done in Houston. Cam, this was all
3: done in Houston. Um, all of yeah. our albums have actually been uh, recorded in Texas. Our first one was done in Austin uh, mm-hmm. at Churchhouse Studios with Dave Boyle, and um, this second album was done uh, at Two 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 Studios in Two 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 Recordings in Houston, and mm-hmm. this most recent recording. <laughs> That'll come out later this year was done right. here, there, everywhere. I've never done an album like this. Uh, is that the with... title?
2: Here, here there, everywhere? <laughs> what what, no, it, what that... is the title, Kim?
3: <laughs> the album of our upcoming Suffer's record is called It Starts With Love and It Ends With Love, Part
2: 1. Nice. I like that. Thank I'm you. already ready for the next the follow-up. I'm ready for the follow-up.
3: You oh, man. Me. I think people are going to have a really good time. I'm really mm. excited with Uh, just the amount of work that went in. I'm excited for people to hear this other side of our band. Also, um, while I've, I've loved every release we've done, um, (laughs) our fans, some of them have called the white album, our self, our self-titled, the happy album, they've called everything here, which is a, it's mostly Mm -hmm. black and white, the sad album. Um, Uh I feel like this album is going to be the dance off your COVID-19 weight album. (laughs) Nice. Cause yeah, the BPM is high and I just want us dancing and you know just releasing some of the stress that we've been building the last year. So I'm I'm excited for people to hear the new
2: stuff. Can I take a side path and ask you about new metals?
1: <laughs> yes.
2: I, I I mean, um it's, it sounds unusual. <laughs> I given you, I, the more I'm finding out here, that, you, you, you can handle a lot, but this one surprises me. Covers of why does I don't, it surprise I don't know.
1: you? I don't
2: know. It's just it's it, it's a little. It's not country, and it's after not, I
3: just told you I worked tough. at that bar in Baytown, yeah, you're shocked I, I, I made a new. Yeah,
2: well, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I did that on purpose. Actually, uh, that was yeah. that was produced by my friend uh Heaven out of Los Angeles, who's originally from Houston, but I wanted mm-hmm. to cover. I wanted to make a EP or re- make a release uh, uh-huh. where I covered a genre that people just completely didn't expect me to cover, so that when I release, see, you got me there. Yeah, I was, yeah,
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm. So, for anyone there. listening, didn't, the didn't, new uh, metals,
3: the new metals release um, is a collection of me doing covers of new metal artists that were popular, like in the early two thousands, late nineties. Mm-hmm. So, I cover mm-hmm. Deftones and. Godsmack and a perfect circle and corn. And the reason I did that was because A, I, I really liked those artists at that time, but also I hadn't mm-hmm. heard uh really any covers of any of those artists. And someone told me how ridiculous it would be. And I was like, oh, then I really have to do it. Cause I love when people tell me something's ridiculous because it usually <laughs> makes me a lot of money after. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yes, let's go do this ridiculous thing real quick. And it was really fun and I learned a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's just kind of one of those projects that I love that I did so that whatever I do next after that, it does, it doesn't even, it makes no sense because you know, people are like, Oh, you're supposed to do, if you're a soul artist, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. and yeah. You're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. I was like, I can't live under these, these made up restraints right. of anybody because right. I, I am me. And the reason I've learned all the genres, all the genres that I have, and you know, enjoy doing them, is because I'm meant to share this gift in some kind of way. And who would I be uh, to be out here pretending like only one thing makes me happy if I have the energy to do all this other stuff?
1: Oh,
2: But uh, let me ask you about this about the production of like the sufferers records in particular what I, like I said before, that they're just so lush and warm. How much time does it take to pull that together? I would just say, you know, like
1: <laughs> No, lot. I mean
2: there there are a so lot. many aspects a to lot. what well, what you're dealing with, you know, just ambiance and sound and horns and people singing. Oh my god, I just I'm like yes, it's a, and, it's a and mind
3: I appreciate for me. that. First of yeah. all, I want to give credit to my amazing band members because mm-hmm. not, nothing could be done at all if it weren't for their just relentless commitment to ta- to to practice and uh, mm-hmm. always you know wanting to to do more and go bigger with me and you know trust me with these <laughs> crazy ideas I'm always presenting them with, but um, they make it fun and the the respect that they show me. Uh, is something that I don't take for granted. And I know it's not something that uh, everyone gets to to experience. And so I'm, I feel very blessed and I have to give them their credit because none of this would happen without them. But um, beyond that, you know, each record has a different person to credit. Um, I would say the sonics of that first album, uh, with the exception of, of Guan, which was reco- which was recorded at Wire Road, uh, studios in in Houston and Slow It Down, which uh, we recorded ourselves, and um, a lot of credit must go to my uh, my drummer and co writer Nick Zamora uh, for that, and his his brother Alex Zamora uh, for Slow It Down. We we recorded that like in their living room and in the bathrooms of Nick's old house. But really? the rest, yes, but the rest was done um, at Churchhouse house studios in Austin. And uh-huh. it, it wasn't, it's, it's something that I really want to uh, express is how prepared we showed up because mm-hmm. we couldn't, af- we couldn't afford to be there. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, the sufferers has never had uh, a recording budget, even, even for, uh, you know, our second album, like we've always done everything out of pocket um, because we we've never been entertained and, um, with the budgets that we know are comparable with <laughs> within our, our genre against our contemporaries. Um, but we have seen what happens when we do the work anyway. And, you know, it encourages us to keep doing it. And uh, because of all those lessons and um, recording experiments on the road and doing them and, and big, big, studios small studios you know we've been prepared for everything for this uh upcoming album we were lucky uh to work with a multitude of uh producers and um amazing engineers and kind of get a little bit of 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 everything going into it even before the pandemic happened we had started working at this spot out in um argyle texas just north of denton uh called the echo echo lab studios with matt pence Okay. And um, Matt Pence is an amazing engineer and also an amazing drummer. Uh, so if you if you're familiar with Paul Coffin, he's he does a lot of stuff with him. Um, okay. But um, he he helped uh, record and produce uh, a few of the songs on this upcoming release. And then we left there, went back to Dave Boyle out in Austin, uh, <laughs> just to see you know like how many songs we could get knocked out there. So we did two songs there. And then um, we did two songs at the space in uh, Houston called Sweet Sea. And And the idea behind
2: going from studio to studio. What did you say? The idea behind going from studio to studio.
3: uh, To to see what worked. Um, Uh Because because here's the thing. As a female producer, I realized that um, I have to be very adamant about keeping the vision consistent. But the reason we were switching studios at first was because, A, some people wanted to try it here. Well, I wanna go back there. Well, I wanna try this space. Like I told you, we've been together 10 years. How do you stay together 10 years? Okay, honey, well, let's try it over here this year and then we'll come over here, (laughs)
1: Like,
3: and you know what? We're happy. And Mm -hmm. the person that is mixing the album is gonna mix all the songs. Um, and, you know, help to bring that cohesiveness uh, uh-huh. together. And um, we got the first round of mixes back uh, two weeks ago. And of course, you know, as someone that has <laughs> sat through many first mixes, um, that, ang- that anxiety and like, oh, God, like, why did anybody let me make a record? uh, kind of came through. And then when we got the second mixes back, I was like, yes, give me more Mm -hmm. albums. I'm ready to go today. But I always love the idea of bringing a song that you've practiced, you've toured, you've, you know, maybe you played it on stage a few times and you've had a few, few chances to kind of just really, uh, Build the confidence that you need to have In that studio before you go in there um, There's some songs that we weren't Able to kind of give that same grace to But I Stand just as firmly behind them Because we were able to spend An amount of care on these ones That we've never been able to put Into our uh, previous productions Because of the p-
1: pandemic Butterflies hey, every time I'm with you, All my flies. No to between the lights.
2: so it seems like things are opening up uh, a a bit um are you looking at um playing some shows in 2021 here or yes uh, um, i mean what 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 are you really excited about coming up (laughs) uh, uh, well uh,
3: first i'm really excited uh, about the sufferers um our entertaining offers right now we just confirmed a show that i can't announce just yet but uh but i'm excited Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) For that possibility Uh, And that's going to be sometime later in May When uh, all of us are actually vaccinated by then But um, after that Our our main focus is You know Knocking out music videos And getting ready for uh, What's going to be hopefully The most successful touring years ever Uh (laughs) For everybody Because I I think people are going to be so eager To hear some live music And we are excited to really bring A show, because I feel like, um, you know, something that you've kind of mentioned throughout the conversation is just like that production, that 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 lushness, all those tones like Mm -hmm. that is something that is so important, not only uh, to me when it comes to my own show, but I feel as though when you are performing in front of any any person, any kid, any older person, there is just something to me that is so healing about. Uh, a real guitar, a drum set, a voice—that um, you can't get uh, from you know just everything being uh, digitally produced. But at the same time, I feel like everything has its place, and I hope that you know that more than anything is something that uh, we've all come to see is that there's a space for everybody, um, <laughs> there's space for everybody's sure. art, and yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited to get back to playing.
1: Because waiting around forever. It won't always be your choice. She loved you before you even had your name, cherished the day. You could see your face as instant, nothing has changed She loved you before you even had your name, cherished the day. You could see your face as instant, nothing has changed
2: to a couple of different sections to our uh, of our podcast today Uh, this one just um i'd just like you to uh, give me some feedback on americana music and since this is americana podcast and um uh, for instance uh, who are three americana artists that you think are quintessential americana artists
3: um in terms of like all time or contemporary all time yeah
2: uh, uh, living or dead doesn't matter.
3: living or dead okay mm. quintessential americana artists: mm. uh Amy Lou harris who i also feel is one of the most underappreciated americana artists of all time
1: mm-hmm.
3: um in terms of just <laughs> her incredible talent and her writing but um gillian welsh uh-huh and katie lang
2: right. and uh do you, how about maybe a quintessential americana song
3: Woo! Hard out here by Hayes Carl.
2: Oh, there you go. There we go. Good one. Good yes. good one. Cam, um, uh, can you define Americana music for us or your definition anyway?
3: Yes, my definition. My definition of Americana music is mm-hmm. American stories told through the form of music. Um, and that can be any American story that can be old stories that can be uh slave stories black stories current day stories uh and Mm -hmm. while a lot of people might not necessarily agree with me I do believe that there are quite a few modern day hip-hop artists uh that I consider to be true Americana artists as well Uh, Kendrick Lamar Kendrick Lamar Mm -hmm. um definitely probably tops that list as well as uh, a rapper from Houston Texas named uh Fat Tony and, and what I mean by that is like straight up storytelling, but also incorporating those traditional uh, instruments as well. as well. But um, outside of that, I, I, I do believe that Americana music is the telling of American stories through song. Uh, some folks, if you want to get specific, it can be, you know, with guitar, fiddle, banjo, drums, whatever. Uh, but I don't think genre as far as style is the true uh reference for americana music i think it's that storytelling it's that um that that escapism that takes you to to wherever that song is trying to take you as far as uh where in america that they're talking about um but yeah that's,
2: that's got it That's got it for me Cam I, I, I want to say What I want to say Is uh, the one thing We do here At Americana Podcast Is we try to Expand and define And explore Americana music And so That Pretty much captures <laughs> That's the whole Kitten caboodle there
1: You live right now.
2: Um, hey. So uh, we'll go back to the lighter side. Uh, say um, the last instrument you purchased.
1: <laughs> sorry. The last
3: instrument I purchased. And this yeah. is funny. because. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have b- bought it at first. But uh, it's a 15 string baby harp um, wow. that I bought in the middle. I ba- Basically, I was having a bad day. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna cheer myself up and was looking on Amazon a little too long, bought this harp, completely forgot about it. It showed up a couple days later and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to learn this harp now. Um, (laughs) And to anyone that goes down this path, just know that it's basically like playing the white string, the white keys on the piano when you first Mm -hmm. get started. But oh my gosh, it's, it's been a fun escape. I didn't realize that there were some people that actually use the harp and it's, uh, tonalities as a therapy instrument. And for, uh, another sector of my work that I do, I do a lot of, uh, performance art where I, uh, put a lot of focus on black trauma and healing. And, um, it's just been a really fun, uh, new instrument to incorporate into that sector of my artistry.
2: Okay. So, um, what is, uh, your favorite room in the house?
3: My favorite room in the house is the kitchen. The kitchen. <laughs> yes, it's the kitchen. I just I feel like um, it. It's just almost like a reset room. I feel like if I'm in the kitchen, I know most of the time, unless I'm cleaning the kitchen or cleaning the dishes because I don't like that, uh, it's usually going to result in a good mood. Because I don't know about you, but when I've had my my snacks, the way I like to have my snacks, I'm usually left in a pretty good mood. And so, um, during the pandemic, I put a pretty heavy focus into uh, just putting a lot more care into how I was taking care of my body, uh, since we weren't going to be on the road, and uh, I could put a lot more focus into that. And so, I've become better friends with vegetables during the pandemic. <laughs> and so the, the the kitchen and I uh, are our best friends.
2: Ah. Great. I um, so let me ask you this: uh, your favorite guilty pleasure song? My favorite,
3: my favorite guilty pleasure song. Mm. I would say, ooh, what would it be? i okay. I'll say my favorite guilty pleasure song right now is mm. "Total Eclipse of the Heart." <laughs> okay. I just I learned that a few weeks ago, and I've been having a great time singing it. Yeah,
2: and never get tired of it.
3: no it's so dramatic i'm like oh this is so fun
2: uh so i'm gonna move on to uh this is our our lightning round and we're 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 coming to the end of our uh program here on americana podcast the 51st state with our super special guest cam franklin From the sufferers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And so the lightning round is an either-or situation, just, you know, uh, one or the other, Cam. So uh, if you're ready, I'm going to throw them out. Halloween or 4th of July? Halloween. Curbside or in-store shopping? In-store. Going to the movies or Netflix?
3: The movies.
2: Uber or taxi? Uber. Streaming or vinyl? Vinyl. <laughs> Frozen margarita or on the rocks? Frozen. All right. Beach or mountains? Beach. Books or e reader?
3: Ooh. E reader.
2: <laughs> Prada or Zara? Prada. Warm colors or cool colors?
3: Warm colors.
2: Baby penguins or baby pandas?
3: That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's say
1: baby penguins.
2: Baby penguins. Al Green or the Delphonics?
1: (laughs) Dang. Um, Al Green.
2: All right. Jazz or blues?
3: Damn.
2: (laughs) Blues. Rockets or Texans?
3: Rockets.
2: Stacks or Motown?
3: <laughs> Motown.
2: Lucinda Williams or Emmy Lou Harris? I think I know the answer. Emmylou
3: Lou
2: Harris. Yeah, last one in the lightning round is uh, meet and greet or locking your keys in your car?
3: Meet and greet.
2: <laughs> I knew you would say that. I, I knew that when I wrote that down. I went, I know what she's going to say. She she is not a person who is afraid of a meet and greet.
3: Okay? So, no. Oh, my gosh. I miss our uh, fans so much.
2: <laughs> this has been a joy. And I have one last question. This is our ongoing uh, effort to... Um, to rename uh, an instrument that here at Americana Podcast we think is really beautiful and uh, the core of m- much music uh, in any genre, and, uh, and uh, the 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 name of it is just military and sad and flat. So I want to we looking for a name for the B three organ. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: the military.
2: They, yeah don't you agree i mean b3 does that really the, B, the,
3: the b3 yeah i guess i don't even i always just call it the leslie
2: there you go all right <laughs> I, yeah.
3: I I guess i if i say the b3 they'll think i just want the b3 and i'll be like no i want the Leslie. where's the box there
1: so,
3: you go <laughs> okay and they'll be like you mean the, the hammond i'll be like no <laughs> the leslie right. i just like the way it <laughs> sounds so i think no. that's a good name
2: that's a good one that's a good one well it, it has been a real pleasure and i've really enjoyed it and i hope i, I didn't i hope i didn't chop it up or throw too many you know wasn't no. too uh, yeah not no really were... enjoyed talking with you
3: no it's it's been my pleasure
2: okay well cam uh, certainly enjoyed it thank you
0: so much At Americana Podcast, we would like to thank our guest, Cam Franklin of the Suppers, our host, Robert Earl Keane, and Austin Thomas. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions and American Songwriter, produced and edited by Clara Rose, engineered by David Beck, with original music by Kim Warner. We have merch over at americansongwriter.com. Use our discount code Americana for 20% off of your purchase. Until next time, let the music play.